Hello and welcome. Welcome to the LifeWatch Eric podcast, A Window on Science. We're here to bring you the latest from the e-science infrastructure for biodiversity and ecosystem research. In this second season of podcasts, we're looking at the research initiatives that validated the LifeWatch Eric virtual research environment. And our subject today is a pungent, invasive, nasty tree called Ailanthus altissima. Thanks very much for joining us today. I'm Julian Kenny, and I'm delighted to have in the studio today Carmela Marangi from the National Research Council of Italy in Bari and Ismael Navas Delgardo, LifeWatch Eric ICT Corps and University of Malaga, Spain. Welcome, Carmela and Ismael. Good to have you. Hello. Hello, thank you. Let me start, Carmela, with you. The LifeWatch Eric internal joint initiative, this co-construction of the, of the virtual research environment, is based on studies of non-indigenous and invasive species. Why did we choose non-indigenous and invasive species? Well, because non-indigenous and invasive species are a massive threat to natural habitats and are not only difficult to control but also expensive to manage. There is a recent uh, European Union regulation, Regulation 1143 of 2014, which requires member states to monitor alien species, um, make sure they don't spread and take measures to reduce their impact. But just getting that information together is hard, let alone taking steps to control the invasions. And that can contest, LifeWatch Eric decided to develop new virtual laboratories to help researchers investigate and offer solutions to managing non-indigenous and invasive species. That is what the internal joint initiative is about. Our study focuses on a protected area in the south of Italy, where there are abandoned and degraded landscapes that are particularly vulnerable to invasions. Uh, the Altamulja National Park in the Apulia region is a classical example of land that has been damaged by overgrazing and fire. Islantus altissimus has taken hold there, among many other places, and has resisted efforts to eradicate it. An eradication program within a live project uh, running in the years from 2012 to 2019, although it was able to somehow minimize the impact, nevertheless it failed to control its spread. So, you know, when we think of NIS, these alien invasive species, we're accustomed to thinking of, you know, fish and crabs and wasps, organisms capable of movement, not trees. What makes Ailanthus altissima so, so invasive? The species is native to northern China, and it was introduced in Europe from uh, 18th century onwards, mainly in the city and mainly for decorative purposes. Uh, you'd recognize it if you see it. Maybe you know it, know it with the name Tree of Avon. It is also common to find this tree in farms. Farmers like it because its foliage provides a shade in summertime. And it was really appreciated in the past because it grows fast in many different environmental conditions and it requires little of no care. 
And for these reasons, too, it is dangerous for the environment. But what no one knew 200 years ago it, uh, is that it excretes toxins to displace other plants. Moreover, it produces millions of seeds a year and extends in underground suckers that grow into thick clusters of trees. And it is pretty unstoppable. And it's a, such a successful invader that it changes the whole environment all around it. So nothing birds and animals can't nest or feed anywhere near it. And they might even be forced to migrate. And this is something that is undesirable anywhere, but it is unacceptable in a national park. It is then essential to ensure a continuous monitoring of the presence of the invasive species. And this is the goal of our research, which combines ground observation from 2012 with uh, satellite imagery from the European Copernicus program and the Sentinel-2 constellation to create distribution maps. And then these distribution maps are ingested by a model which simulates the potential spread of the species. And because these data are updated regularly, modeling them in the live watch Eric virtual research environment gives us a tool that can predict areas of vulnerability and also to make future projections of the spread of the species. Okay. So coming across to you, Ismael, you were deeply involved in the development of these online tools and services. How does the LifeWatch Eric virtual research environment work? What is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we, we build the, the software at different layers, taking the, the knowledge uh, we had at the research group in the University of Malaga from previous projects, building the solution of different layers, uh, starting from the from the very simple parts. So we have built the software like, uh, you know, the, the building blocks of uh, the children's uh, games. So yeah, we, we started with small pieces of software that usually make uh, simple things. So we were, we encapsulated uh, these uh, components that scientists have to analyze the data or to deal with the data in these kind of blocks, so then we can connect them in different ways and even uh, not only reusing or, or, or encapsulating existing components from the scientists, but also developing new ones that can act as the glue between the, the components so that they are wrapped together uh, and work properly for, for solving any kind of uh, scientific question. So a virtual research environment can be seen as a box of blocks that has a predefined way of connecting that can be customized to solve different uh, scientific questions like uh, in this case to to know from the satellite uh, satellite uh, images if we have this invasive species or if we don't have it in, in an area or how much of these trees we have in, in an area so the solution is quite adaptable so if we change one of these components, we can solve a different problem, or even if we introduce a different kind of data, different images or information, we can solve a different problem. For, for example, uh, we are working now in a project of uh, LifeWatch Spain, uh, uh, where we are applying these solutions uh, for analyzing different kind of problems in, uh, uh, in the environment. And one of them is classifying different kind of 
trees in, in natural parks. So we are applying just getting satellite images from the European satellite satellites in the Mediterranean area to classify the different kind of trees that we have in the different forests. So although this is developed, you know, this workflow, this combination of of components is sort of customized to to help the research into Ilanthus in in Italy. You're saying it, it's not exclusive to that. You can use it to, for other purposes, and you're using it in Spain. Yeah, th- this is the idea of building the things like this. We can reuse these blocks, the small blocks in different cases, but even the, the full workflow, the, the full built-to-a research environment can be reused in different contexts. So, yeah, uh, we, we can adapt even software in different programming languages so these blocks can have inside programs in, in different languages like Python, R, Java, or whatever else. For example, in this case, we are using R code that uh, the scientists from Italy had uh, for analyzing these kind of problems. But can be uh, anything else uh, that is Compatible with other programming languages. Yeah, so it can be compatible with different programming languages, different platforms, and can be used in different contexts. One of the problems that we have, for example, in this case, is uh, that it's a very complex problem because uh, we have to analyze a lot of images and to make a complex classification problem using artificial intelligence solutions. And so one of the problems were in the hardware side, that is to put enough computational resources to solve the problem. So we're still working in improving not not only the technical part, the artificial intelligence or machine learning, but also how to do it uh, with the best performance that we can to, to do it in the less time as possible. So if we get a new image, we can get a solution as soon as possible. Yes, and we're talking about incredible amounts of data crunching, aren't we? It's like the, these images are, are massive. Um, so that continues to evolve. Interesting. Carmela, coming back to you, what's, you know, given all this technological, you know, backup, um, What's what's the state of the Altamurja National Park right now? Has it changed? Well, as I said before, uh, the eradication program stopped, and that is because the priorities for the area changed. And uh, given the limitation of management resources, now the current eradication plans only apply to a few small parcels that host um, that host high priority species, which means the species that are at risk of extinction or under a special protection regime. So there is this is uh, really challenging for us and stimulating because we are, uh, let's say, stimulated in making our tools more flexible to adapt to new priorities and also to. In- and bad other socio-ecological conditions. And so this is the reason why uh, the research is ongoing and uh, together with the development of the virtual research environment, and we think that it will be a continuous evolving project program. And, uh, and of course, we are looking forward to inviting more researchers to share their data and to build alert models for other territories, as Ismail said before, but also to improve our codes and to improve our tools to, to, to perform better. And all of this will help us in, in the battle against climate change and, you know, how 
seeing monitoring how things develop under climate change and finding ways to bring solutions. Climate change is one of the conditions that are evolving and that forces us to incorporate other, um, let's say, other features in our tools and uh, to, to, to perform better. But not only climate change, there are changes in the land use, there are socio-economical changes that have an impact in, uh, in, in those areas. So it is important that we are able to follow the evolution of conditions in an area and to cope with this uh, particular problem uh, in a changing environment. And the great thing about LifeWatch uh, Eric facilities is that they can handle unimaginable amounts of data like satellite images and that the service and the tools that are deployed there are freely available in the cloud and there are also there is also processing power that can be used by researchers to improve their tools and to to produce results that are useful to fight the effect of alien uh, species invasion well Thank you very much. You know, it always amazes me that these scientific projects are ongoing. They develop. They're never static. They, they give us hope for greater um, capability and greater effectiveness in the future. Carmela and Ismael, um, thank you so much for your expertise. And, you know, obviously best wishes in the continuation of this research. Um, I love this international transdisciplinary teamwork it's really good well done and a big thank you also to all our listeners uh, wherever you are please bear in mind LifeWatch Eric uh, tools data resources are available freely online come to our website on www.lifewatch.eu and get in touch thanks again for following us everybody look forward to our next encounter All the best now. Thanks.